0: All right, so here's what we're doing today. We're starting a new five-week series, uh, as Nate kind of alluded to when we sang, Be Thou My Vision. So if you've been with us, we've been in Romans for like a year to a year and a half. We took uh, four weeks to do a series on the kingdom of God since Easter. And then now we're going to jump into a five-week series entitled Bless, okay, B L E. S, S, bless, and it will take us really up to five weeks from now, and then Romans will take us to the end of the year, where we'll wrap up the book of Romans, do our Advent series, and then kick off something new starting in 2015, okay? But this five-week series, and let me just, this has the opportunity for us to be, I think, five of the most formative weeks for us as a church community of anything we've preached here. Right? like We trust that as we get into the word that God's Holy Spirit, that he's working in our hearts, he's shaping us, he's molding us, renewing our minds, doing all that. We believe that, um, but man, there's some content that we'll cover that should directly, practically inform what it means for us to be a church here in the city of Flagstaff, both corporately and individually. And so my hope is, and, and listen, I know there's a, lot of, there's a good amount of visitors here from up in the valley, but listen, press into these things right? Step forward and commit to these things, engage with these things, and, and even if you've come today, as we all many do, with a belief that we've already got this thing figured out, I, I pray we'd all grow in humility this morning. That, that it's easy for us, we show up to church every Sunday, we come here, we engage, we hear the word, and so we're like, okay, well, I know this, and so we can just leave unchanged, but the truth is, is we're all an unfinished product. Amen? Right? That the Holy Spirit still wants to do some stuff in here. He wants to transform lives. And so I, I pray for us that this the spirit of humility would overwhelm us this morning and over these next weeks that truly we would see the change that God wants to see in us. Okay? That's my hope. That's my hope. Now, um, before we get into kind of the specifics of this, I want to I wanna read this story. Um, and it's... it's uh, You guys know those, like, Ask Amy or Ask Susan or Ask Stacy or whatever the column's, like, advice giver is for the newspaper, and so you can ask whoever, and then they write back and they give you advice. I saw this this week, and I just thought, you know, we don't have any of these people in our church, but maybe we do. And um, and I just read this and was like, man, this is probably more prevalent in the church today uh, than we dare believe. And I think it directly speaks to uh, the culture that we need to move on from in some ways. Okay, so let me read this. It's an Ask Amy. So here's the letter to Amy, okay? Dear Amy, every fall, my sister, cousins, and a cousin's sister-in-law have a weekend shopping excursion in our home city. We stay in a hotel, treat ourselves, shop for our children, and go out for lunches and dinners. It is a great time to reconnect. Okay? Just in case you're thinking I'm hating on that, I'm not. Do that. That sounds fun. Do that. But I have a sister, Wendy, she put it in quotes, whom we do not invite. She is offended to the point of tears when she finds out we have not invited her. My two sisters and I are very close in age, but Wendy hasn't been as close to this set of cousins as my sister as I've been through the years. We're all married stay-at-home moms. Wendy is divorced, a working mom with one young child. There are several reasons we do not include her. We know she doesn't have very much money for such an outing. She also does not have many of the same interests as we do. We're all very active churchgoers, while she only sporadically attends services. Plain and simple, she just doesn't really fit in with us anymore. She takes it very personally, and last year even came over to my home unannounced, crying about it, the audacity which upset my children and caused my husband to threaten to call the police if she did not leave. Now, she barely speaks to me and has told our relatives that I'm a horrible person, even though I've helped her. How can we get her to understand that she should perhaps find another set of friends whose lives and interests align more closely with hers? Okay, so immediately right now, I think we're all kind of welling up and like, I'd never do that. You probably would if the circumstances present itself in such a way. Okay, because that's just our hearts. We're kind of just wicked that way, right? But here's the response, and I thought it was great. And Amy writes back, because it was signed sad sister, she signs dear sad. First, let's establish that I agree with your sister. You are a horrible person. <laughs> Obviously, you can do whatever you want and, as, and associate with or exclude whomever you want, but you don't get to do this and also blame the person you are excluding for not fitting in. The only way your sister would ever fit in would be for you to make room for her and you are unwilling to do that and that is your choice. But her being upset is completely justified and you'll just have to live with that. Perhaps this is something you could ponder from your church pew because despite your regular attendance, you don't seem to have learned very much. So uh, I read this, right? And I'm just like, okay, and uh, Amy... Not a Christian, did some research. Okay, So Amy, given the advice, not, not a believer, not a lover of Jesus, and yet lives in a moral standing in a way to bless and serve the people around her better than someone who's here every week. And so I didn't want to show up this morning and presuppose that we all get this. I didn't want to presuppose that as we go through the next five weeks and talk about how do we individually and corporately bless our city, bless the people in it, that we all just naturally go, yeah, I get that and I've done that. Because we tend to trend towards selfishness. And that's, and that's, listen, that's an indictment on my own soul. Okay, that's an indictment of my own. As I, I mean, even as we were prepping this, I'm thinking through these rhythms of life and trying to, okay, how often do I find myself engaged with these? And it wasn't as frequent as I thought it would be. Okay? And so again, let, let, us, let us push in, let us humble, let us allow God to change. So um, here's what we're doing with this blessed series. Each of you got this card. I want you to look at it for a second. I'm gonna want you to put this in your wallet or your purse for the next five weeks, okay? Should you decide to keep it in there after that, I do not care, but for the next five weeks, this is the easiest application I've ever given you, okay? You put a piece of paper in your wallet or purse. Now, first look at it, don't do that yet. What we have here is an acronym, B-L-E-S-S. If you turn it over, you'll see the first B is for bless, B is for bless, L is for listen, E is for eat, the first S is for speak, and the last S is for sabbath these five things we'll do ever over the next five weeks. And we'll see how do we engage with these rhythms in our lives over the next month or so, okay? And it's not easy, right? It, it's not easy. And oftentimes when you get into this stuff, you begin to realize, like I did, man, I'm not really engaged that much, or at least not as much as I thought I was. Okay. And so keep this with you, and as we go through the series, refer to it. When you open up your wallet and you see it, you know, okay, what are we doing this week? How am I going to bless? How will I listen? How will I eat? How will I speak? How will I Sabbath? Make sense? Okay, um, where did bless come from? Just a few kind of logical questions, because we're going to be in the next five weeks, and you just need to know. Uh, bless came from our friends actually out in Europe, uh, from Tim Chester, who's at Crowded House Church, uh, out that way. They They kind of developed this thing, and we've employed it for the last... Seven years within our Surge Leadership Training School. It's a one-year program where we bring people in and you sit in these groups and you learn and grow in missional theology and then are equipped with rhythms of life type of stuff that allows you to engage on mission the city that we find ourselves in. Okay? And so this has come from Europe but has been planted in Arizona for the last seven years. And now there are, if I'm right, about 30 to 40 different churches that employ this every single year. Okay? So that's what we're building off of. Okay, um, again, we're doing this because I think we have to. If if you've been around for a while and there's some visitors from other Redemption Church campuses, Redemption Church is one church with seven congregations across the state of Arizona. And each congregation, we usually preach the same sermon series. But we have this little five-weeker here to do what we think we need to do for our own congregations. And this is what I think we need to do for Flagstaff. Because we've been, I mean, we've been high on theology for a while now. We've been in Romans just getting at it, sometimes one verse at a time, right? Just getting into the text. What does it say about the character of God, who we are, and what we need to live like? So we wanted to get hyper-practical on you, okay? And so we're going to leave every week with some hyper-practical go-and-do-this. So go-and-do-this get out there do these things and we're going to set up kind of this blog on the website we're going to have you log on you don't even need to log on you just go to the website fill out this little form and share stories of what God does through the bless rhythms over the next little time last part that I'll say in logistics before we kind of move on is that these five rhythms and we'll focus on one a week so bless this week need to operate in three different contexts okay three different contexts first is the Christian church community so this week we'll focus on how do you bless your brothers and sisters in Jesus, right? How do you bless them? The second context is the unbeliever, the non-Christian. How do you bless a non-Christian this week? Christian, non-Christian. The last one, so one I throw you off a bit, is how do you bless someone who's not like you? Okay, Christian, non-Christian, someone not like you. This is a push for us to actually step out of our little kind of comfort pieces, right? We're, we're, we're good here, and maybe we'll talk to this person. We already have these. But go somewhere you wouldn't normally go and bless this person, okay? And so those are the three contexts. Those are the five rhythms. You'll get more as we go through it. I won't take much more time. Let's, let's focus on be, on bless, and turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you've got a Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you a Bible. Guys will come down and do that. Raise your hand real high. Don't be ashamed. If you don't own a Bible, it's our free gift for you. Please just take it, keep it, give it to a friend, whatever you want to do. But ra- uh, put your Bible up um, so you can follow along and turn to Genesis chapter 12. All right. Good. Okay. Genesis 12, 1 and 2, and you heard Steve read it a bit earlier, but let me read it one more time. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Okay. Okay. So this is Abraham's caller, Abram, who becomes Abraham, Father Abraham. We actually sung that song about a month ago. It was weird for everybody. So um, Father Abraham, this is this guy called in Genesis 12 by God. He says, listen up, Abram, I'm calling you. You are to be the father of my people, that I'm going to raise up a people of my own choosing for my mission, for my grace, for my love for the world, and you're going to be the father. You're going to be the leader. You're going to take them. You're going to guide them. You're going to show them my way. They are, in this moment, the people of God, blessed beyond abundance. And we see the beginning, the first piece of this trajectory of Scripture that constantly communicates this truth, that God's people are blessed to be a blessing. Okay? Blessed to be a blessing. That, that you can't have one without the other. And so God raises his people up, calls Abraham, says, this is what's going on. I'm going to bless them. I will give you many nations. Notice the language. So that you will be a blessing. Okay? So that you will be a blessing. Again, notice the language. He doesn't say, I am going to bless you and make you a great nation. Because you're a blessing. And this is the paradigm that we normally operate off of. In our culture today, this is what we generally feel is more correct. Okay? That if I do a good, if, you know, if I invest, if I love well, if I'm a good person, then the blessings will rain down from heaven. And then I'll get to bask in it. And I'll get to do whatever I want with this blessing because I've earned it, because I've deserved it, because. I've blessed, and so God must bless me. Not the language, okay? Even though this is generally what we think. The language is, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless the nation. I'm going to bless God's people. I'm going to bless you, church, New Testament church. I'm going to bless you, Redemption Church Flagstaff. I'm going to bless you, whatever church you're home. I'm going to bless you, whatever your name is. I'm going to do that so that you will be a blessing. There's no other way to read it. They're tied together. That the blessings in your life exist for you to bless other people. This is a shocker to the system that we've grown up in. Where everything you've done, everything you've achieved, everything that's been given to you was yours to do with whatever you wanted. It belonged to you so you spent it on you. It was your time, so you spent it on you. There is a me mentality that we are raised in. It's the air we breathe. It's just the way it is, and we have to push back and say, okay, well, what does Scripture tell us? It gives us, it gives us a different reality. It says the things you've been given. Listen, the house you live in, Right? the house you were able to buy, you own that house so that house would be a blessing to the world. Now, hear me. Does that mean that you can't experience joy and blessing in it too? No, absolutely. Enjoy your home, please. But remember, it's been given that you would sow that bless. Every resource that you've ever, listen, every dollar you've ever received Listen, take care of yourself. Take care of your families. But you bless the world with your money. Okay? Every minute that we get air to breathe, you understand, that's a blessing from God that we take for granted. The fact that you woke up this morning seems obvious and will happen all the time. It doesn't have to. The air we breathe, the oxygen we receive, that's God's blessing too. So every second that you have on this earth, blessed by it, given it, so that you would be a blessing in all of life, in everything you have. Okay? Not just in your money, not just in your time, not just in your resource, not just with your house, not just with your job, not any of that, not just with your talent, not just with your gift, that in every aspect of who you are, are who God has blessed you to be, you bless the world. That is a (laughs) it is a tough thing for us to jump into. Tangibly, a lot of us just received tax return checks in the last few months. And and I just want to ask this question. How many looked at what was received and thought about how they could bless other people. Thought about what, what, what are some tangible, practical ways, I know this person's hurting, I know this exists, how can I give and just see, see God do something through me? Now, some of you are sitting in reality, you're like, listen, dude, I'm paying off Like, significant debt. And that, listen, that is a blessing. Get out of, I mean, do that. I'm not saying, so here's the deal. I'm not saying everything that you received in your tax return, right, that you're supposed to say, okay, I'm giving it all away. That, this is not, it's not poverty. This isn't, give everything away. Live on the streets on the ground. Okay, I have to step over you, which would be annoying. Just, wow, just kidding. Jeez. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we at least need to have the conversation, okay? We at least need to have that conversation. If you, listen, if you're single, you need to have that conversation with yourself. You, you just received this, this lump of money. What am I going to do? As a couple, you receive this lump of money. What are we going to do? What are we going to do to bless others? And again, maybe it's, it's, not, it's not give it all to this. Maybe it's we got stuff we have to take care of to get us in a better position to be generous later. I don't know. But you have to at least have the conversation. The gospel doesn't allow us to not have that conversation. The gospel does not allow us to not get down on our knees and ask God, what would you have me do with the blessing that you've given me in my life? Let us be transformed to be those people. Now, we struggle with blessing big time. And we already kind of alluded to it, and I think it's because, it's because we think we earned it. We think we deserve it. That we've worked so hard, and so the stuff that comes, that's owed to us, and so then we have free reign over how it's stewarded. Okay. There was a case that I just uh, heard about, and it happened a little while ago, but I was reading some more, but I heard about it a few months back and, and read some more this week. This kid was driving along, at when he was when he was finally given the breathalyzer which was 3 hours after the accident he, he blew a, a 0.24 which is 3 times the legal limit in this state okay driving drunk kills 4 people okay kills 4 people goes to trial his attorney uses this defense called affluenza okay Affluenza, which is a mix of the terms affluence and influenza, flu. So what the defense said was this kid, this poor kid, had been so spoiled with affluence, given so much in life and not taught how to steward it well that they mixed that with a virus and said it overwhelmed him, took over his life, and he's not responsible. He got probation. I don't, I'm not here making a case for he should be, I don't care. What I do care about is the deeper level of what we've created in our society that says all of this stuff is going to keep coming to you and we don't have to tell you how to use it. It's creating these times, it's creating a situation where we're inventing words where we take a virus and mix it with gifts. It's got to be a problem for us. This has to be an issue for us as we think of this premise that God only blessed us so that we'd be a blessing. These are very contradictory stories between what we're receiving from God and his word and what we're receiving from our culture at large. Okay. Very different things, and we need to ask the questions. We need to have a conversation and sift through the implications for us individually and corporately. okay. So now we get into the more, some of the practical piece of this, right? So theologically, blessed to be a blessing. Practically, there's many of us, and I get it, we run into the, man, I, d- I just don't even know what this looks like. Like, how, how do I bless? How do I give? How do I engage? How do I love in these ways with my time, resources, finances, whatever? How do I do this? And, and I think even scripturally we get a pretty good answer in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, so turn there. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8, I'll give you a second. Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Here we go. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so some so of us that sit here right now, okay, well, what, what do I do? How, what does this look like? How do I, I don't even know the first step into engaging, and how do I, I mean, maybe a Christian brother, right? So we've, we've got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, and so you're sitting next to the person that you came with, and you're like, okay, I'm going to give this person like a hot dog this week, and then bam, I'm in, right? But then you go to the next level of non-Christian, like, okay, well, I don't know too many of those because I'm a Christian, and so what am I going to do there, right? And then you even go to the thing where you have to, you have to find someone you don't, you don't really engage with that much, someone that's pretty different from you, in all, I mean, in any different way that we don't normally trend towards, and we begin to have to think to ourselves, "Well, what does that even look like?" I want to contend with this this morning that the first thing that we must do before we get there is we've got to talk to God about it. We've got to pray. It's, it really, it, scripturally, it's that simple. Ephesians is saying, listen, I, I, I've again, blessed to be a blessing, right? That it, you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. You didn't do anything. You've been blessed so that you'll be a blessing. So go. And here's what he's going to do in the midst of it. He's not just going to say, go and do your thing, and I hope it works out. He's going to say, go and do your thing. But guess what? You're going to walk into good works that I've already prepared beforehand. That all around your life, when you guys leave this morning, you get back in your cars, you drive home. Somewhere in that midst, there's something. I almost guarantee it pray. Talk to God. God, where are those opportunities? You're saying that you've given me this new life, that you've saved me by faith, a gift from God, not anything to do with me. You've blessed me in that way that I would then in turn walk in good works you've created. Where are they? Ask God, where are they? And ask him to show you. Ask him to reveal to you. And sometimes it's going to be as obvious as it could possibly be. Like the story that we shared on Easter, right, if you guys remember. The eunuch who says, hey, hey, man, come on on up. Oh, he's reading Isaiah and asks Philip to come up and talk to him about Isaiah. Hey, what does this mean? Who's Jesus? I mean, sometimes it will be that obvious. Other times, man, we just need to listen and be a little more creative with the way that we bless. But this should be a peaceful thing for us. This should bring us peace. That it's not even about you trying to find all these good things to do. There should be an overwhelming sense of peace that the God of the universe has already gone before you and prepared these good things for you to walk in. It's like knowing that you're walking into an interview knowing you've already been hired. I don't know if anyone's ever had that happen to them. I have, and it's the greatest feeling because you just say whatever you want, right? It's like, what's your favorite thing at this work? Nothing, I hate it. You're hired, you know? So it's just, it's, it, if we know that God is moving, if we know that he's preparing these things for you to do and you to do and you to do for each of us based on who you are, man, peace. All right, God, I'm open. We get that Isaiah 6 thing, Right? Isaiah, here I am, man. Send me. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm going to trust that you've got this in order. I'm going to walk in the good works that you've prepared beforehand. Okay? So that should give us a little piece. There was this, um, as I started to think about this story, a quote came to mind and then this, this, this other story uh, that popped in as we were going through this text, but this quote is from Leslie Newbegin, who's easily one of my favorite authors and theologians, um, and he said this, our business, talking about the church, is to go outside the church walls, become aware of what God is doing, and cooperate with him. Okay? That, that the truth is, is, is listen, you're not doing all that much. That, that it's God that's at work, it's God that's on mission, it's God that's preparing hearts, it's God that's saving, and we just cooperate with him. We join him in his mission. He's going, we walk out the walls, we link arms, and we go. We talk to who we're supposed to talk to, we give to who we're supposed to give to, we bless who we're supposed to bless to. Okay. He's already doing these things. See, um, the story that came to mind was my friend and I, we were uh, in Pacific Beach, California, which is one of my favorite places on earth. I lived there for four years. Uh, I mean, it just great. And we went down to the boardwalk one night, and we're out sharing our faith with my friend Katie, who is just a rock star and was so encouraging to me in these days about, men. just, I mean, we got to get out there. We got to love people. We got to talk to people about Jesus. I mean, the whole deal. And, and so we're walking around the boardwalk one night, and we're just praying. And we're lit, we're just praying. We're, it was, we weren't, like, singling anyone out. We're, like, we're not, like, looking for the red jacket with the cross on it that has, like, an upside-down Lucifer. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was just, hey, God, where do you want us to go? And so we're walking along. We're both on the boardwalk, and we see this gal, and she's off sitting on the shoreline, the waves coming over her feet, and there's a moon. I mean, it's dark. It's night. Moon's in the background. I mean, picturesque moment. And for whatever reason, I kid you not, Katie, what's... I started to run to this girl. Like we're walking and I'm starting running through sand and I'm not the most fit guy so this is pretty intense for me. And so I'm moving and then I slowed down a good ways from, you know, from her so that she didn't all of a sudden think there was someone coming to like, tackle her. So, so I, I stop and I start walking. I'm trying to get my breath. And I, if I walk up to her and she turns to me and, and I just say, I can't even remember the exact words. like, hey, you know, how are you? This is kind of what we're, we're doing. We just love to talk to you about, about life and about eternity and, and, and just really getting up in there, right? And as soon as we get there, just tears. I'm talking bawling, tears, sobbing. I say, what is going on? I mean, we haven't even told you anything yet. She's crying. She says to Katie and I, literally one minute ago, I prayed for the first time to God. I was going to kill myself tonight. And, he, and I said, if you would give me a sign that there's more to this life than me, then make it happen. And here comes this, barreling half-Asian curly-haired freak to tell her about Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. That, that, that listen, that was not, that was not my obedience. That, that was not my, I didn't arrange this. That, it was, God was just doing something. God was doing something outside the church walls and I said, all right, well, how are we going to cooperate with where he wants us to go? Pray, 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 pray. God continues to just do that for our church. And for, listen, the whole church in the whole world, this is not about us, right? That The church would begin to understand that God is on mission for his creation and he wants us a part of it. Let us trust in what he's doing and seek to bless the world. Okay, last text I want us to look at. Okay, last text I want us to look at. Matthew 5: 14 through 16. and this, I think, just I want this to land as the chief purpose for why we're doing this series and why we bless the world. Here we go. Matthew 14. Matthew five, excuse me, 14 through 16. start turning there. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says this: "You are the light of the world." A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works, and here we go, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. At the end of the day, we're not about results. Like We're about glorifying God. We're about telling people about Him because you don't save and I don't save. We don't grow the church. God grows the church. We jump in, we cooperate, and we give glory to God in our good works. We're not deceived by a gospel that says, okay, you've been saved, you've been blessed, so have a seat and enjoy. Instead, we believe in a gospel that says, you've been blessed, you've been given much, you've been saved, not of your own doing, you didn't deserve it, so you gotta go. You have to go, and you have to give God glory. At the end of the day, this is what we're about. It's why we come in here on every Sunday morning. That's why we spend all the time setting this place up. That's why we disciple as many people as we can. It's why we share the gospel and good news about Christ's life, death, and resurrection is that God, who is in heaven, would be glorified. That he would be made famous. That his works would be told of across the world. And he would receive the worship that he is due. That's, that, that has to be our utmost goal. And, the, and then we pray and we trust the results and we leave them to Him. But we are active and we're getting after it. There's this last quote I want to read. And I try and not do quotes, but this one was just too much for me. I loved it. And it's Vice Guy Rodney Stark. He's talking about the early church and the way that they blessed people and the cities that they found themselves in. Just very practical. Early church, how are they doing this? What did this look like? What would people on the outside of the church say about the church? and the way that they're loving people in cities. And it said this, Christianity in the early church revitalized life in all Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with the many urgent urban problems. To cities filled with the homeless and the impoverished, Christianity offered charity and hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments and love. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, earthquakes, and pains, Christianity offered effective care and nursing services. What I what I just love about what Stark is sharing about the early church is it's it's just so holistic. It's just saying, listen, it's not about it's not about any one thing because the truth is is that everyone in this room is completely different. And each of you guys are gifted in different ways. And the way that I live out the implications of what it means to bless neighbor and city is going to maybe look different from what it means for the implications for how you bless neighbor and city. You're maybe not as loud and brash as I am. I hope not. But you have gifts. You have Acquaintances, you have spheres of influence that I don't have, and you're called to go to them, and you're called to embody the gospel. That whatever may come the church's way, the church says, "We got it." I, I mean, I, this often gets kind of thrown out there, and it is a very idealistic, and and. and beautiful at the same time picture of what the church should do but it's just this idea that when the city would have a problem that the first place they go would be to us. Right? When there's something happening in the city if you were to sit down with the mayor and he just sizzle, has this laundry list of all of the issues going on in our city that his first call would be to the church. It's an idealized picture but one that we strive for. That where there is pain, we bring hope and care. Right? Where there's any brokenness, we bring the gospel and the means to repair it. We bless this world. We're going to land here with just these last practical points. Another level of practicality. What do we leave here with? What are you guys going to go do? Okay? Um, first, it's kind of an order. First, think of why. So I want you guys to go home, couples or individual, and just, and just write down a list of what you've been blessed with. right? I mean, and, and it's not just resources. I mean, it could be just, man, God spoke to me in this. It could be I'm a changed heart in this area. It could be I no longer, you know, whatever that thing, just write down your list of, man, how, how have I experienced the blessings from God? Second, also write down how have you experienced blessings from those around you. Because God often uses the church to love the church. Verdi and I were just blessed tremendously by my best friend and his wife just last week in an incredible way, a huge gift to us. And I remember in the midst of how much we love them that that is God that motivates that. Write down this list because it's from this list that we will constantly remember that the blessings we received are so that we would go and do the rest of this. The second one is think then of who. Think of why, what you've been blessed with, right? Think of who then you're going to bless. Christian, non-Christian, someone not like you, okay? Christian, non-Christian, someone not like you. Think proactively. Don't wait for it to come on your door if you don't have to. If there's someone already that's churning Find a way this week. Identify and bless them. Okay. Bless the city too. I mean, pick up trash. I mean, whatever it is. Oftentimes, people are like, well, "Why care for the city?" There's people. Yeah, but here's what you have to understand about the city. The city, it's it's much like I've heard. The illustration, it's much like a boat, right? That has holes in it, and they're and they're sinking. Okay. And there's a bunch of people in the boat that need to hear the gospel, but instead we're just yelling at them with a megaphone instead of helping to fix the holes. Oftentimes, we need, to do, right, we need to fix the holes to sustain the boat that the preaching may be effective and long, that we can consistently engage with people, okay? So love the city, bless the city. And then lastly, get down to the think of how. So write the why, what, what have we been blessed with, write those lists, single individual, identify who, and then get into the how. What's this gonna look like? How practically are we gonna do this? And and listen, here's random ideas, okay? Set aside a X amount of dollars every day. And listen, we did this exercise once before with my RC uh, or small group in college, and we just said $1. $1, we were gonna seek to find how we're gonna bless someone every single day with $1. And when you do something as little as that, you gotta get pretty stinking creative. There's not a lot you can do with a dollar, okay? But some of the stories were magnificent because all of a sudden you realize it's not about you and the dollar, it's about what God's doing, okay? So that, that's one thing. Identify, identify like a, a financial amount and say every i day day, gonna go do this, and, and yeah. Uh, you could, you could uh, buy something for someone, whatever. Also, let me just, as an aside, I used to be a server. Please don't tip terribly. That's just bad for all of us, okay? Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna tell you what percentage, but I used to work as a server, and honestly, you're the worst, I mean, we don't like you, okay? And, uh, and I mean that with all the love and care and gospel in my heart, okay? But it's just, man, th- there is a whatever. You want to argue with there's a standard norm in our, in our world. At least give that, okay? Because it's known that Christians are not good at it, and it just reflects on us pretty poorly, okay? That's just, that one was for free. You're welcome. Um, also, listen, write a letter, Now, if there's any college students here, that involves, it's called a pen, okay? I don't know if you guys still know how to do writing, uh, but you you take a piece of paper and you begin to spell letters that form words, that form a letter, and you send that to someone, okay? It takes a thing called a stamp, and we can show you how to do that too, okay? So you're going to, like, if there's something, listen, show someone that you love and care for, maybe that you haven't talked to in a while, just send them a letter and say, listen, thought about you this week, love you, praying for you. Maybe it's it's a friend that doesn't, right, non-Christian, they don't know Jesus, send them a letter. Send them an email. Listen, if you can't do the letter, do an email. I mean, it's something, we don't have to, like, it's not rocket science. Think of some of the smallest things. You will be so surprised at the level with which people respond with a simple gesture of, I love you, Right? There was a guy I saw, he was doing this uh, prank it forward video on, uh, on like funnierdie.com, and it was for uh, Easter or something. And he went out and he just went on a college campus um, and, and would tell people that they're beautiful. Guys and gals just saying, hey, just wanted you know, not to creep you out. You're like, you're beautiful. Like You're a beautiful person. And, and you just see these people like completely disarmed. Like, what, what do I do with that? Like, are you sure? You know, like it's just, you're beautiful. And it's amazing because the culture we live in is just, they don't experience love and blessing all that much. And so it doesn't take much for us to engage in love. Email, a kind word, whatever. Um, just identify a number, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna compliment this many people a day. I'm gonna say something to my barista. I'm, I mean, listen, we don't have to reinvent. It's just love people well. Pray and love people well. Think of that stuff this week. And then lastly, there are some of you in here who are extremely gifted in your vocation and in, and, and in the talents with which you work, okay? There is a conference that we just went to and they're talking about these two guys that were working at a church in inner city Baltimore, okay? And, and they began to notice everywhere they looked that there were these, inc- I mean, just incredible amounts of, of these uh, random, like, micro-loan places, right? That you get, like, an advance, advance loans on your check. And so you could go in, and then the, like, the interest rates on those things are, like, insanely high, 25%, 30%. And so what was happening, it was taking people over 125% of their original loan that they had to pay back. And so they were over-doubling the amount that they originally got they had to pay back, and it was driving people into poverty. And so these two guys, two lawyers, said, hey, man, we... We could do that and we could do it better and so they developed a new system where they could give the underprivileged of inner city Baltimore these micro loans that would allow them to invest in their life get their paychecks earlier but at interest rates and on timetables that were manageable along with financial coaching and the entire deal now this is, this is a little bit bigger. This requires more than just today. But I want us to be a church that dreams up that type of stuff. That begins to see, okay, this is what I've been gifted in. This is what I've been blessed with. These are my skills. How do I use them to bless the people of this city? And there's, no, there's nothing too small and there's nothing too big. Because chances are, again, God's the one who's working in it anyway. So we just jump in and have fun. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for, and grace. <laughs> we can't do any of this outside of the grace that you give to us. We're um, consistently reminded of the grace that we have even um, as we breathe, as we look at the people that surround us, our loved ones, God, as we look above our heads and see a roof, as we um, and just open up our wallets and see a dollar, God, you've graced us and you've blessed us. God, keep us far from any of the ideologies that have, that have continued to shape our world and culture and, and us God, that tell us that we're the center of this blessing. That, that, that kind of just leave you off to the side, that leave the giver, that leave the blesser off to the side and, and, and not in the rightful place that, that you belong, right in the middle, in the center where everything revolves around you, where decisions are made by what you would have for us. God, keep us from those things and when we hear them, will we be able to see the difference between what, what Scripture is calling us to God, the joy that is experienced as the community of God seeks to love and serve each other, seeks to love and serve those outside of the fold, and seeks to love and serve our city. God, would you instill joy? I pray that that joy is so firmly grounded in your life, in your death, in your resurrection, in your gospel. Might we be a people who reflect well on the good news, reflect well on the blessings that you have given, and would the motivation from the Holy Spirit be to go so that we would bless the world? God, would you save? Would you shape us? Would you change us? And would you change our city? Not that we would grow, not that this becomes a bigger deal. So that your name is glorified. So that we worship. That the city would look to the heavens and proclaim, Christ is Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, move in our hearts. Change us. In your name we pray. Amen.